0: going to do something I haven't, I I don't know that necessarily I have ever done as far as I'm usually pretty confident by Thursday, Friday of what I want to speak on any given week. Um, This particular week on Monday night, God began to to reveal some things to me about Joe Ashen and Elisha. And uh, it was this morning and I woke up really super early, super early. And the Holy Spirit just began to nudge me in a different direction. Is it okay if I go in a different direction this morning? Good, because God said I could. So it did not matter what you think. And I wasn't real sure, and I began to pray and and began to just seek the Lord. And it was actually as I was driving here that he pointed me in a completely different direction. But I ran across the spiral-bound notebook. If you're under 25 years old, you can Google that and see what those are. And it wasn't too long after I gave my heart to the Lord. I mean, it was literally the date was just within a few weeks. And uh, I dissected a chapter in Deuteronomy where God begins to lay out his blessings and cursings. In other words, I think that is such a foundational chapter in Deuteronomy. And back then, obviously, I felt like it was a very foundational chapter because we understand that, church, if we do things God's way, we get God's results. And and the chapter really, truly lays out, and there's a word that I found in there, and this isn't one of my, we're going to go to Acts 2 in a minute, but just let me set this up of where I feel like the Holy Spirit's taking us today. And I'm going to teach on the seven sure signs of salvation this morning. That's the Holy Spirit. I was driving here, and I, a lot of times on Sunday morning, if you see me out and about, You'll see me driving around on Sunday morning because I like to just clear my head and to pray. And with gas prices, I may start parking <laughs> and praying because I thought, Lord, you better give me some direction here pretty quick because my gas thing's almost on E. And the Holy Spirit just began to weave something together that I see now from Monday night and showing me Joe, Ash, and Elijah. I want to encourage you that some of you need a strategy from the Holy Spirit. It's so important of when you're facing a battle that he wants to, much like the king of Israel was pointing out the window and and Elisha just came along and it says that he literally put his arms around him. We need the prophetic word of God to direct us sometimes. And in Deuteronomy he lays out, if you do this, this and it gets really intense down in the last few verses in Deuteronomy of saying, and I love this, this is what I came out of it. There was a version, an amplified version Version of the Bible that said, if you serve the Lord with joy and enthusiasm. If you want to take, I can understand joy. When I read it, I thought, well, yeah, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I've had my mentors tell me that. And I want to tell you what joy means. J-O-Y. Everybody say joy. joy. Jesus first. Others before yourself. And then you. And you will have joy in life. I promise you. And our joy and enthusiasm comes from being obedient to what the Lord says for us to do. I have found that a lot of Christians are start and stop Christians. I've been recently teaching my son how to drive a standard. So if you see me in a neck neck brace, it's just from that. It's been a trip. I may have a clutch left in my Jeep. I may not. But we finally got to a place where I felt comfortable with him to go out on more main roads. So we came up to a stop sign. As we come up to the stop sign a few nights ago, I noticed that it was an incline. Then crossing over a pretty major road there right by Sugar Mill. And I thought, oh boy. Never tackled the clutch, the brake, and the gas. But... When you're learning how to do something like that, and I want to encourage some new Christians in this house, you may feel like your life is going in fits and starts, but can I tell you the Holy Spirit is a genius at teaching you how to get going. We come up to that little spot, and I'd like to say it went really well, it didn't. (laughs) We, We stalled a few times and got it started and were able to go beyond where we were at in the moment. But I said something to him that the Holy Spirit reminded me of this morning twice. And I said, buddy, it's okay if you don't know how to move forward as long as you're not going backwards. Because what what could be behind you is something that you could run into and hinder you. In church, our spiritual lives, in a lot of ways, are just like that analogy to where some of us feel like we get moving forward and it's clunky and it's stalled and we stall out. I came to tell you something to encourage your hearts this morning is if we serve the Lord with joy and enthusiasm, when we understand that the Holy Spirit has set before you, said, I set before you this day blessings and cursings. Do you, you want to know why a lot of people find their lives in a mess? It's because they haven't learned to stay away from the things God says to stay away from. And they put, their, they put their hands in it. I heard it explained one time by my pastor John Kilpatrick for three years that I was in Bible school, and I heard it explained one time, and it made a lot of sense to me because when, when you get to know God, you understand something very important about God. He loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. But we also understand that the Bible is very clear that we are to take up our cross daily. And to follow him. In other words, you, you put aside yourself and you live for others and you live for his glory, right? And it was explained to me of this. God doesn't curse things per se. It's that it's already detrimental and cursed and we attach ourselves to it. Are you following me? If, if God said that this microphone stand, stay away from it. It's, it's something that's not going to be a benefit to your life. And we know that through the word, and we know that through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, but yet we are drawn to it and we attach ourselves to it. Is that God's fault? No. <laughs> I'll be honest. Can I just be real with you this morning? I'm tired of seeing posts or seeing even people just say, I just don't know why my life turned out the way that it did. God must not be good. Bull, lonely. <laughs> he is good. And He has given us His Word, and He has given us His Holy Spirit. Amen. And I watch people all the time attach themselves to something that God said not to touch. And today I want to minister through Acts 2. We are, Pentecost Sunday was last Sunday, the birth of the church, the birth of the ecclesia, as the Bible uh, lays out, is the called out ones, the people who are a family, the people who are warriors, and I just want to encourage you with the word of God today because I really think as God has completely shifted me, and I spent, I kind of thought that to myself, well, my Lord, it must be for a different time, this word that you've given me over Friday and Saturday because I spent a lot of time studying, but I knew that I knew that I knew that for whatever reason, for whoever is here this morning, you need to know what it means to be saved. Everybody say saved. Save. Our early church fathers throughout along hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years laid out these things these aren't new that I'm going to teach you this morning these aren't anything that's that's mind-blowing but it is life-altering because in first Corinthians it tells us Paul was very clear and he said this examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith let me give you another pet peeve of mine is that okay Because like it's summertime, Pastor must, he needs to (laughs) go chill, go on a vacation Another pet peeve of mine, well, let's just get to the Word. The the Holy Spirit's like, just move on. (laughs) All right, all right, Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. So there's an examination, so to speak, that we can look at through the Word of God. Because people say this, don't they? I won't say what I was going to say, but I'll say this. People say all the time, oh, only God can judge me. It is good to examine. Amen? It's good to examine your life with the light of the word and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And examine and say, God, is there... And and as I go through these today, you you may get through all seven and say, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. And, or you may get to a couple of them and say, you know what, Lord, I haven't, that's not a foundation in my life. And I desire it for it to be, because we all know one important thing about our spiritual lives is that we're built on the foundation of the word of God. And if there's something wrong with the building, they usually go and check the foundation. I've shared this before, but in the moment, I'm just allowing the Holy Spirit to lead me. I've shared this before. One of my first jobs as a landscape designer, was to take out an old rock wall that had probably, at that point, been there 30 or 40 years. And what I was taught is that, you know, there were things that get in underneath and roots and, you know, drainage and things that washed away so the wall was uneven. And it was a natural rock wall with natural rocks. And we had to dismantle that thing and put it back straight and level. And it was really difficult to do. But what the problem was, was that bottom core. See, if you're building a rock wall or you you builders in here, we all know this by just natural common sense. When you build something, you want to make sure that the foundation is proper. Is it okay if we do a foundation check this morning? Very clearly, this is where the Holy Spirit is taking us. If you're in Acts 2, say amen. Amen. Verse 37. This is Peter. Stands up on the day of Pentecost, after they have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter, and this is amazing too, this is the same Peter that had denied Jesus, right? This is the same Peter that had fallen miserably. Can I, can I encourage you this morning? No matter how far you feel from God, he's only one step away the other direction. He is. And he, you may say, I've disqualified myself. Listen, when you repent and you give yourself to him, As far as the east is from the west, so far our sins have been removed from us. Amen? Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Father, today, as I teach your word, as I minister your word, We know you're here. We know the Holy Spirit is present, Lord. So I pray that whatever said of Jason Hanks would fall by the wayside, but anything said under the anointing and unction of the Holy Spirit would go into the hearts of the people. And Father, today, we want to examine ourselves. We want to look at your word and let your word, better yet, Lord, let your word examine us. Because Lord, our hearts are deceptive and deceitful at times. Who can know them? But Lord, you know. And you have your word, and you have the Holy Spirit shining a light. Lord, not to condemn, but to convict so that we can come into fresh new life today. Let your word dwell richly within our hearts by the seed of God's word. And let it change us from glory to glory and faith to faith. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, would you say amen this morning? So, I want to talk about the signs of salvation, the sure signs. Because God does not want you questioning your salvation. God does not want you questioning his goodness. So these are some things. Number one, a sure sign of salvation is the conviction of sin. Everybody say conviction. I'll put it bluntly. If you've never been convicted that you're a sinner, you're not saved. Amen. I didn't come to be harsh today. I came to tell you a truth. Because... We live in a culture and a society and even preach from the pulpits. And I've been saying this a lot lately, and I believe it with all my heart. The condition of the world that we live in is not the fault of the people sitting in the pews. It's the fault of preachers not preaching the truth of God's word. That's what the issue is. So as you come in here, understand that I, and I've said this and I mean it, I don't want to stand before the Lord one day and hear, why didn't you tell him? Because you knew it. You knew the truth. You see, the the place that we're living in today is, well, I've made a few mistakes. It's not to tell you this morning that you've done wrong. It's an understanding that at your very core of who you are, you're broken. Are you following me? When you make a decision to follow Christ, one of the very first things, I'll tell you a little bit of my testimony. I was thoroughly convinced this is why when people bring up issues like, well, I just don't know about hell, I don't know. I'll tell you my testimony. I was far, as far away from God as what a person could possibly run at 13 years old. I was convicted. I was in a service. My grandfather was preaching to hundreds of people, if not probably thinking back, maybe 12 or 1,300 people at a church camp meeting that he was over the district for the Wesleyan Church in Ohio. And he, I mean, I'd never seen my grandfather like that. I mean, he was on fire preaching the word of God. And I was clearing the back with my grandmother because we wanted everybody else to have the front seats, of course. And I was right by the door. Boy, I wish I wouldn't have been right by the door because I began to sweat. I began to feel. I didn't know what it was that was going on in my heart in that moment. I looked at my grandmother and I said, I need to get out of here. I, I need. She looked at me and I, she knew. I didn't really wait for permission. I hit that door, and listen, from 13 to 23, I ran as far away from God as what I possibly could. I had a lot of people praying for me, and my brothers had rededicated their life. My younger brother had gotten radically saved. My mom rededicated her life. We were all coming together as a family, and I remember them inviting me to church, and I went to the church service with them, and it was much like what we experienced here today. There were people very expressive in their worship to God, and I had never seen or experienced that. And I walked out, and I looked at them, and I said, you need to get out of here. Those people are crazy. They run. What are I, I became very concerned for my family. So I, I ran again. But guess, guess who you can't run from? <laughs> you cannot run from the Holy Spirit. And listen to me, this is so important because if the very first sign of salvation, according to what we just read, is it, it says they were cut to the heart. In other words, there was a conviction. It says the Holy Spirit has come to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. If you can't pinpoint a, a time, a point in your life where you felt, that can, listen, the conviction, I'm not talking about condemnation. There's enough of that out there. I'm talking about genuine conviction, but I remember for a period of a couple weeks, I could not get away from the Holy Spirit. I I, I just... And here's what I was so convinced of the two weeks leading up before I finally bowed my knee to Jesus Christ and made Him complete Lord of my life. Here's what I knew in my heart. I knew it because of the life I was living and the things I was involved in and the way I was running and had a very close brush with death just a couple weeks before I finally, now, this whole time the Lord's just dealing with me and dealing with, how many know and understand when the Lord's dealing with you, it's a sword, but it's like a sword dripped in honey, (laughs) y'all it is, is. he didn't come to condemn you, he came to bring life, but there's something important that we have to understand very fundamentally about our salvation is simply this, we are broken, Sin has marred the image of God. I, I could have walked into the church and said, you know what? I'm going to come to this church every Sunday the rest of my life, and I'm going to relate that to my salvation. Do you know I would have ended up in the same place that I would have ended up before? I, was, I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I was on my way to a devil's hell. I knew it. So conviction is one of the very first sure signs of salvation. And if you've never been convicted of your sin, in other words, it's not that I've done a few things wrong. It's that I am a sinner in need of forgiveness. That I haven't just just done a few things wrong. It's that I am completely separated from God. Amen? Amen? Listen to this. First, regeneration will be shown in conviction of sin. This we believe to be an indispensable mark of the Spirit's work. The new life, as it enters the heart, causes intense inward pain as one of its first effects. Though nowadays we hear of persons being healed before they have been wounded and brought into a certainty of justification without ever having lamented their condemnation, we are very dubious as to the value of such healings and justifyings. This style of things is not according to the truth. God never clothes men until he has first stripped them nor does he quicken them by the gospel till they are first slain by the law. Look down here at verse 41. Just go a few verses down. This is the second sure sign of salvation today. And I don't even know that this is going out to somebody that's listening online. And I want you to really tune in to what Pastor Jason, if you attend this church, what Pastor Jason is saying today. Because this is for some people that are here today. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Second sure sign of salvation, look back up here and listen to me, is a love for God's word. Listen, it doesn't mean that you are going to read it from from cover to cover. It doesn't mean that you will eventually, but don't get caught in that religious trap of saying, oh, I haven't read it. There will be a genuine love for the Word of God when you have a regenerated heart. If you have been truly saved, you recognize that the Bible is just not a book it is the truth and it is life and it is light and it is literally the nourishment by you as a Christian will continue and be able to grow. First Corinthians 2.14 says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Listen, when you get born again, you have an appetite for the Word of God. I wasn't raised in church. I didn't know really anything about the Bible. I remember just, I was still living in the same place I was living in. I finally was able to separate myself. You young people in here, you'll become who you run with. And I was a new creation, so I wanted to be around new creation people. But I wasn't. I was still living in the house and there was a party going on and I politely declined anything that was going on around me and I sat cross-legged on the couch with all my friends running and going and people coming in and out and I was reading my Bible. This is how. Why? Because I had a hunger. There was a real hunger in my heart and in my life of the for the Word of God. I remember sitting there, and some friends were like, "What are you doing?" I said, "I'm reading the Bible, man. I gave my life to Jesus. I'm saved. I had a new heart." I'd been convicted of my sin. And listen, when you fall under true conviction, there's nothing like the weight of that to be broken off you and to understand that there was a God who loves you that had been pursuing you the whole time. There's nothing like that revelation. I look back and they said, well, literally, these were the people that I was running with. Well, what's the Bible Bible about? And I said, "Here's here's what I've gathered so far. Listen, I didn't sing John Jingle, Jinger, Hunger Smith, and the flannel graphs. I, I didn't get any of that growing up. And I said, well, my grandfather was a pastor, and he was a tremendous prayer influence. And then after I got saved, he discipled me personally. It was such a wonderful, wonderful experience in my life. And as I sat there, I said, well, the first half is about Moses, and the second half is about Jesus. That was the extent of your pastor's <laughs> biblical knowledge at 23 years old. But can I tell you what I had? I had a supernatural yeah. hunger. Yeah. Yeah. That is a sign of salvation. This isn't me talking to you this morning. This, this is church, our early church fathers for two, over 2,000 years now. These are all very basic things, but I'm amazed. I, listen, I'm amazed. It's cultural Christianity in our country that says because I was born in the United States of America and I sit in church once a month that I'm all right with God. Because it's not the truth of God's word. You actually have, oh, I'm going to offend some of you all this morning. You have more in common with the Ugandan man that was standing up here and some of you couldn't even understand what he was preaching. You have more in common with him than you've got an American neighbor living next door. Oh, come on. Because he's in the family of God. You guys know me. I'm patriotic. I love my country. I thank God every day that I live in the best country in the the world. But it's not my God. There's a real hunger. You see, when you meet up with people that have a hunger for the word of God, there's a kindred spirit there. I don't care if they're from China or they're in Egypt or they're from South America. I'm going to quit. It's dangerous for me to go off course because usually I spend two days training myself just to be quiet. You get a brother and sister come across that southern border down there. I I had a nerve. Thirdly, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrines and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Number three, sure sign of salvation, you have a love for other believers. Hear your pastor this morning. It doesn't mean that you like every Christian that you meet. Are you hearing me? But there is I'll never forget my first service that I walked into after I gave my heart to the Lord on a Sunday night. I was in the Sunday morning service the next the next weekend. And listen to me, not only that was I just devouring the Word of God, that was life to me. Not only was I cut to the heart, was I devouring the Word of God, I had a but I walked in, I had if you're more comfortable around people that don't know Jesus than you are. Here, when Before my heart was regenerated, I did not feel comfortable coming into a service. That's why it's important for us to be welcoming, amen? That's why it's important for us to understand there's people walking in here all the time that know nothing about God, much like I did. But if you're more comfortable around people that don't... Now, I want to define something for you, because here's what I believe happens. Some people come into church, and they are regenerated, and they get beat up and hurt so badly that they don't want to have anything to do with it, that is not necessarily your fault. But I want to encourage you, if that is your testimony and say, man, I I do love the people of God. They just didn't love me back. Can I say I'm sorry? Because when you have a love for the Word of God, you want to be with the Word of God, with the people of God, and you have a love for the people of God. And I stood there in the back, and I, I remember not understanding why he laughed. But there was a gentleman by the name of Rick Tripp that began to mentor me and began to teach me he came in the back door, and I was standing right inside. And I just stood there. I looked at him. I said, I just love these people. I said, I love them. And I said, I I know they love me too. He laughed. (laughs) And I said, I know they love each other. And he laughed again. (laughs) He said, I love your heart. And he hugged me, and he walked on. Well, what I understood after many years is not everybody loves each other you know what the Bible says? You know how we know that we've passed from life to death is our love for the brother. Yes. That's why it's called a sure sign of salvation. If you get close to a Sunday and you begin to say to yourself, man, I, I guess i got to go to church. Can, can I ask you to examine that this morning? I really want you to examine that because if you do not feel comfortable and you don't feel a kindred spirit with the people of God, there may be something going on in your heart that the Holy Spirit wants to deal with. If you're truly born again, you can get along with any other believer. That's why your pastor isn't harsh on different denominational churches that are in this area. I'll fellowship with almost any of them. Almost. And I really will, because I see a love and a kindred spirit. Why? Because we have the foundation of the blood of Jesus, the cross of Jesus Christ the forgiveness of sin, Amen. the fact that we all come to the cross the same way, I think you'll be shocked at the people that you'll walk in and see in heaven. Amen? Amen. If, if I make it. <laughs> I'm joking. 1 <laughs> John three fourteen. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brother. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Now, to reiterate, that doesn't mean that you're always going to like what somebody else does. Amen? Amen. Here's the revelation you can have as far as the family of God. Did you choose the family that you were born into in a natural sense? You did not. This will cure the church hopping syndrome. The way it will cure the church hopping syndrome is understand that God has a local expression of his body that he wants you to be planted in why because then you begin to grow a love for people that may rub you the wrong way i call them holy ghost sandpaper <laughs> <laughs> the roughest grit holy ghost sandpaper in my life is my wife i'm telling you right now and i am hers there's some come on married people there's something about marriage that will rub the rough edges off of you spiritually and conform you into the image of Christ. And number two are the relationships that you build. Church, I don't want to just have a church that never... and This is why we try to break down and do fellowships. We've got a Bible school. We have a lot of different areas and avenues and things I'm planning for the fall. For you to be able to get down into a smaller group. Why? So that you can love on people. And not everybody that really has been regenerated and, and, and has a new heart, they're not always going to see eye to eye, amen? But you didn't choose the natural family that you were born into. And can I tell you, we think we have all this choice about what spiritual family God grafts us into. Quit that. You pray. You seek the heart of the Lord. He is going to place you in a place. And you may be still asking yourself five years after I got here, God, why here? (laughs) He will show you. He will teach you. And I promise you it usually always has to do with somebody else that you'll come in contact with and begin to have a relationship with because we're not in this alone. It was never meant to be. Why did God... Jesus ascends to the oval office of the the entire universe. He's in control. And He's not pushing levers and pushing buttons. He has delegated His body to be His representatives on the earth. And how will they know if we abide in Him but for our love for one another? That is a sign of salvation. I had a love for the people of God. Walked in there. I'm like, I mean, I was single and it was kind of weird. I'm like, I love you. I love you. I love you. Rick Tripp pulled me aside. He's like, dude. Dude, I get your heart, but you may want to quit doing that. Can I tell you, even walking in here this morning, and some of you think I'm just so, uh, I've always had this. Kind of attributed to me is like, well, Pastor walked past me. I am so focused on Sunday mornings of what I'm preaching and what I'm teaching. Please forgive me if I ever just, because it's not intentional. But I walk in here, and I'm telling you, I walk in here and I'll do something, I walk back out, and 90% of the time, I'm just like, God, I'm so thankful for my brothers and sisters. Can I tell you, that love that I had for the body has only grown. You can say a lot of things about me as a pastor, but sincerity is not insincerity is not one of them. Because I fell in love with his body because I fell in love with him. Isn't it amazing that when Jesus restored Peter by the fire, he kept saying, Peter, do you love me? And And he'd say, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. I realized a long time ago that I don't necessarily, I have a love for you, but if your love for me or love for your fellow brothers and sisters at this particular church goes up and down, which it always does, we get in our moods, right? What Jesus called me to do was to love him. And when you love him, you're going to love other people. That is a sign that your heart has been changed. I went from not. I went from literally f- driving out of that driveway of that church as fast as I possibly could, to feeling like I wanted to spend eternity with somebody. How does that happen? But God. That's God. Number four is found in verse forty-two as well. At the very end, it says, "And in prayers, everybody say prayers." The fourth. Sure sign of salvation. And again, examine yourself this morning. Examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. It's prayers. Now, you may say to yourself sitting there, I don't pray that well, Pastor. Can I tell you the only prayer that God will turn his back on is a prideful prayer? How do I know that? Because Jesus told a story. He said these people came to the temple, and here's what they said. said, Lord, I'm so thankful that I'm not. You know how dangerous that is? It's taken a hold of the church, hasn't it? I'm telling you it has. God, I'm so thankful that I'm not that person. I'm so thankful that I don't think like that one over there. And then you had the man, and I, I identify with this man right here very closely. Humbly bowed his head and said, Lord... I'm paraphrasing. I'm not even worthy to be here talking to you. And Jesus said, which one, went ju- when, which one went away justified? The one that said, I thank God I'm not these things, or the one that just humbly came to God and said, God, when you pray, how many? how many have had this experience? And I know nobody in this room would ever say a cuss word. I know I'm preaching to angelic beings where your angel wings might just unfurl from your back at any moment during the service and just amaze us all. But when you say something, somebody just said what's well, a cuss word? You know in your heart. Look, I've said some things as lament because of the condition of our world that I would never repeat right here right now. And when it comes from a heart of lament, I think God's like I'm with you. When it comes from hitting your hand on it with a hammer, and you just start bad. Uh. But listen to me: how many know that when you do that, how many have how many have an understanding immediately? God heard that. So how come when you pray and ask Him for something, you don't think He hears you? <laughs> a sure sign of salvation, church. Is that you have a heart to begin to seek him and to begin to pray. And again, it's not about what you know what a conversation what a prayer life is? It's a dialogue and a conversation. Prayer is living in the presence of God and developing a constant dialogue with him through the Holy Spirit. Some of you have never learned. You you say, How do Pastor, how do you know that that I've never learned this? Because you live the majority of your life beat up, defeated. And kicked down. And God didn't save you to live that way. Amen. Amen. You have a prayer. Like when you have been regenerated, you know your heart has been cut. You know that you have a love for the word. I know almost everybody in here does. You you know you have a love for the body. You have a genuine concern about your church and about the people in the church. You you have all those things going on in your life. And then you say, yeah, but I just don't really have a prayer life if that's you this morning can I just help you and say God is, you as his child God wants to hear from you I mean as a parent now all the way up getting our, my kids into 16 and, and 14 Leah and I said the other day why did we have them that close together I said Leah you realize we're going to have two in high school at the same time what were we thinking she said we were old dude we had to have them when we had them I told her the other day, I said, we were 30 when we got married. Did you and I really just look at each other and say, maybe kids weren't the best thing to I'm kidding. kidding. I told her, I said, do we think, really pray this through? But how many have kids and understand that? Do you get joy out of just hearing that phone ring? Man, I've walked through some stuff where when I see that phone come up, I mean, I'm just, do you understand that's how God feels about us? He loves to hear from you. And we, we have it in our minds that, yeah, God hears all these bad things that I said or did, but He's not going to hear a, a, a heart's cry to Him. Absolutely He hears you. It's a sign of salvation that you begin to have a prayer life and a dialogue with, the, with God the Father through the blood of Jesus with the person of the Holy Spirit that has been sent to lead you into all truth. And the truth this morning is, and I want, I, I want you to check this, if your prayer life has just suffered or it's just not where you want it to be, welcome to the club. I don't go to sleep at night and with condemnation on my shoulders saying, God, I just didn't pray enough today. What I do is I go to bed at night and I say, God, when I wake up in the morning, I get a fresh start. His mercies are new every morning. And guess what that mercy does? It invites you fresh and anew every day. Because sometimes we'll go a week without reading our Bible, then we'll go two weeks without really praying or spending time with the Lord, then we'll go three. And I'm telling you, this world around us is full of people that have genuinely been regenerated and genuinely had their hearts renewed, and they're under so much condemnation that they can't get through to God. Listen to me. It's not a problem with the receiver. It's a problem with the transmitter. It's a problem with us just to understand that he welcomes us in by the blood of Jesus every time we come to Him. Yes. Now, He may not answer like you want. How many of you have been a little disappointed in the answer? Just be honest with me, too. It's either no, yes, or not yet, or wait. Wait's a big one. Because in that waiting, He's refining your faith. But listen, a hunger for God's Word, a love for the people of God, and your prayer life, are all sure signs of salvation. The church is birthed through Peter's preaching. We go on to a few verses later, and Acts begins to lay out how they functioned and what they did. Number five, go to verse 46. I love this verse. I've read it so many times. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So they had a new heart. The, the word simplicity in the Greek simply means single or undivided. What this means is they had a change in the very deepest part of their heart. When you really get saved, your heart changes. Can I, can I share with you that when I got saved, and I thank God for this, I didn't have people in my ear telling me what to do and what not to do. I didn't have that, and I am blessed, and I'm very thankful for that. Why? Because I began a relationship with the Holy Spirit... Here's, here's the difference. And this is where you may be struggling. And let me encourage you, God can fix this this morning. You say, man, I, I just, I, I am constantly and completely always drawn away to sin. You need a new heart. You say, why, why do you say that, Pastor? Because when you get a new heart, isn't that what the Bible said? The Old Testament prophet, I will take out a heart of stone. And I will put within them a heart of flesh. You see, when I got saved, I didn't have to sit around and think of ways to sin. I wanted to please God. And if your heart isn't one that you want to please God, because if if you do have a regenerated heart, if it is new, and maybe you've been walking with the Lord for five months or 50 years in here this morning, everybody can attest to this as walk with the Lord. When you have a new heart, you can, listen, you can begin to get pulled towards the things of the world. You can get pulled to something that is disobedient to God, but can I tell you what your new heart's going to do? It's going to pull you back. You are now ruined (laughs) for sin the rest of your life. And people that walk into churches and say, oh, I prayed a prayer one time, and you're still out there living in the world, guess what? You didn't get a new heart. I'm telling you. I'm telling you this morning. You say, well, this seems kind of judgmental. I'm not judgmental. I'm talking about the Word of God. Because I found for myself that my... See, if I could do one thing for you, is I'm not trying to change your behaviors. I'm trying to change your appetites. I had people that weren't looking at me, and listen, I was still a mess, y'all. I was. I, I still was you know, kind of drawn to the things that were behind me. It's like I said already this morning. Some of you don't know how to move forward, but can I just encourage you, don't go back. Because the Holy Spirit is going to teach you how to live this thing called the Christian life, and it's done through His power. It's done through His Spirit. And I thank God I had people that weren't trying to just say, well, quit this and quit that and quit this. That's why, guess what? We need to have grace with one another. Oh, man, there's a word thank god I, I i I was in a church with not a bunch of and here's why it was it was full out revival I didn't know it then I didn't know what I came into. Church had started in nineteen ninety two by nineteen ninety seven when I walked in the doors it had twelve people by nineteen ninety seven it had over five hundred and the amazing thing about those five hundred people was we all had something in common. we all came from some very wild colorful pasts. I remember our sound guy's name was Bear. He was an old biker. He was probably 6'6", six, six, and man, he loved to just, see, his heart changed, and he loved to hug. Man, best back crack that you would ever get was from Bear. These people were so wild, the church grew so fast, that when I came along, they had bought the old, it was called the Torch, ironic, drive-in theater. The screen is still up back in the back to this day. pastor used to joke and he said, how many sinned right here on this property? Everybody's like, yeah, my, my girlfriend came here one time. I'll, I'll never forget. Can I tell a little story? Yes. They bought this property and they all gathered there. They had been praying for this property. They didn't have a real church building yet. And there was a couple hundred of them at this point. So it looked like it was you know going through. They all met down there. And they all celebrated. They all, yeah, God's going to provide this. And Pastor Pastor Mark got up, and he's like, yeah, God did this. Right at the very end of the driveway was where they sold the tickets for the drive-in theater. And I'm telling you all, these people were wild. These people, bikers, prostitutes, drug addicts, the whole nine yards. I loved it. They were my people, Amen? amen? They were my people. I'm sorry, Lord. were. And Bear and another guy, because they were so excited because they had bought this property, the little ticket thing that was out at the very front of the front of the road had this uh, wooden ticket booth. They went and torched the thing, burned it to the ground. Pastor Mark had to go running out there in his car because the final paperwork had not been sent. And he had torched the, the ticket booth. Those are the people that I grew up spiritually around. But can I tell you, thank God. Thank God. I thank God that people didn't point me to their dogma and doctrine. They pointed me to the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen. They pointed me to the Word. Yep. Another beautiful thing that happened is we were all learning this together, but let me go back to my point. A new heart. When you have a new heart, it's a sign of salvation that you, you are not pulled away to the things of this world anymore. You may be for a season, and the Bible's clear. Sin has enjoyment for a season, but can I tell you what, it'll it'll destroy you. Much like we talked about in Deuteronomy that said, "Today I've set you, but blessing and it still applies to our lives today. We choose things that we attach ourselves to. Listen to me, it will bring a complete wreck to your life. And God's desire is to protect you. And his desire, if you're running from him this morning and you do have a new heart, but you're pulled away into sin, guess where he's pulling you? He's pulling you back to yourself. Because I can tell you, you can go back into it, but I'll tell you right now, there's no enjoyment anymore. Because you have tasted life. You have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. So, new heart is number five of seven sure signs of salvation. Everybody say, new heart. New heart. Can't tell you what the most dangerous lie that you can ever believe is the lie of forgetting who you are. Isn't that what the prodigal son? He ran away. And it says this, when he came to himself, listen, some of you need to come to yourself this morning and understand who you belong to. Amen? Ezekiel 11, verses 19 through 20, if you're taking notes. Then I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within them and take the stone. Again, notice that word one. It means undivided. Some of you have a new heart, but you're divided in your allegiances. Can I tell you to fix that before you leave here today? And be completely devoted to Him and His purposes. When a Christian does righteousness, they're actually doing what they naturally on the inside want to do new heart. And take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them, and they shall be my people. And I will be their God. It says, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. There's also number six this, initial assurance. There's something about salvation that witnesses with us that I'm his. Amen? Amen. In other words, I struggled after I had this incredible experience with the Lord in a new heart. Woke up the next morning, wanted to get into the word of God broke relationships, got out of the situation I was in, got away from the people I was running with. It's amazing even with the new heart, pre-conversion, pre-Jesus taking that heart out of me, I could be around people that were cussing a blue streak, and it, I never noticed it. You talk about walking into the big workroom of the place I worked with, about 120 you know, grown men and a few women, but it was mostly a, a men that I worked with in the industry I was in. And man, they were just this, and it, and it and it, there was something different. I'm like, oh, anybody else ever experienced that? What? That's a that's a new heart. Yeah. That didn't mean that I went in and got up on the table and started telling them they were all going to hell, right? <laughs> Newsflash: Sinners sin. Sinners sin. Yeah. But we are people of a new heart. And we're a people of initial assurance. It says clearly that his spirit will witness with your spirit. Because I was so concerned. God, did this really, did it take? Did did it really get a hold? That's why I'm not necessarily a big fan of just, because I've lived this. And I won't go into that story too deeply. But I've lived this in my life to where, you know, I see pastors get up every week. Ah, you need to get up here to this altar. You need to. Listen, if you. Hey, if you're living in unrepentant sin week after week after week, there's something wrong. And number two, what I have diagnosed and found as a pastor all these years now is an issue with people understanding that when you truly give your heart and life to him, you are secure in him. Did you hear me? You are. There's a witness with your spirit. I don't kick my kids out the door every time they mess something up. Yet. 16 and 14. But there is an, listen, there is an initial peace that passes all understanding. That we can get deep down on the inside of us where his spirit will witness. And the reason I say that, that I've had to take people deeper into the word of God is because I've seen so many people with well-meaning pastors that literally just beat people up over the head week after week and month after month and day after day with rules, regulations, and laws. And what it here, here's what here's what I've watched it generate in people. They're never secure. And listen to me, you will never follow Christ the way He wants you to follow if you think He's going to leave you all the time. You won't. You need to have such a security that, hey, I'm a child of God. And there is, is a, is a sure sign of salvation, there is something God does in our hearts. A deep peace. It's not only possible, it's my opinion that it should be expected, that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know. If you use words like, like I was joking earlier, man, I just I, I hope I, do you understand this morning that I know <laughs> where I'm going? It doesn't mean that my life is perfect. It doesn't mean that I don't, again, say something I shouldn't say or think something I shouldn't think or any of those things that we all deal with. It doesn't mean that. I know I am on my way to heaven. Why? Because it, do, it doesn't, I thank God it doesn't count on me anyway. It counts on Him. That's right. That's right. It's Him. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. In Him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. When you got saved and gave your heart to him, he put a down payment of the Holy Spirit in and upon your life, meaning that he said, I'm putting a down payment and they're mine, and I have chosen them. And for the last one, and you guys will relate to this. Ephesians six ten through twelve. Stand with me this morning. Uh, if you if you guys would come back real quick. Ephesians six ten through twelve says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Simply this, one of the sure signs of salvation is attacks from the enemy. Listen, the devil isn't out there attacking his friends. And I live this experientially because... It wasn't the Lord Jesus that became so real to me, even though he did when I gave my heart to the Lord. Listen, the enemy that had been destroying my life, all of a sudden my eyes spiritually were open, and I said, wow. If you'll notice, when the church was birthed on Pentecost in the preceding years and even the story of Saul becoming Paul, if you'll notice, the devil didn't stir up for them to kill all the Pharisees. Are you hearing me? He stirred up to attack and to kill the Christians. And in the days that we're living in, I want to remind you that unless we see a tremendous, and I believe we will, a tremendous revolution of God's spirit and a morality come back to this country, the things that you believe, say, in the next 15, 10, 12, 15 years that the Lord tarries, the things you believe standing here right now are going to be things that other people say make you a bigot and make you somebody that's worthy to be thrown in jail? Are you hearing me? And if you don't think the enemy is not concocting those plans right here as we stand today, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know from what I've taught this morning that you have a rock to stand on and it's the truth of God's word and the enemy as we stand here this morning today all over this earth, he's not torching synagogues and he's not torching necessarily mosque, and he's not but if you look up and begin to see the persecution that's happening all over this world, it's directed at God and his people. Because one of the sure signs of salvation is that you now have a real enemy, and according to Ephesians six, he really wants to try to come against you, and he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So To me, one of the main things that was a sure sign of my salvation, and this is the truth of God's word for for 2,000 years, is now you have somebody coming against you. I came to tell you this morning, we are victorious. We are victorious. I want to do this this morning. I want to end the service by giving you an opportunity to respond. And to come to this altar and you could say, I have never known that I know that I know that he has changed my heart. I've never known and had a hunger for God's word. Again, I started this morning with asking the Lord a question. Where is it you want to end up at since you're changing the direction that I've gone for the last three days? He said, here's where he wants to get to everything I just said, if you can't say yes to all seven of those things, the Holy Spirit's here to fix it. If you feel insecure in your walk with the Lord, you say, man, I've got a love for God's people. I got a hunger for the word. I know that he cut me to the heart and showed me that I'm a sinner on my way to hell. And he turned my life around and he's done, but I just, I have a problem with believing that I'm really his child. If that, if that's what it is, can you come forward this morning? You say I'm just far away from God. I just, I just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm I've turned my back on Him and I've followed sin more than I followed Him. Can I invite you to come this morning and we'll pray together as they play? Feel free to come up here and to deal with any of those seven issues. This is the Holy Spirit calling you, not your pastor, this morning. Got one more thing we're going to do before we go. Blake, is Corbin back there with you, or eating. Just... he's eating? I tell you what, we'll let the boy eat. There he is. We have a very special guest for the first time in church. Is Mr. Corbin. Guys, why don't you come up here and let's show him off just a little bit. And I specifically wanted to bring them up and him up because when I greeted him this morning, little Corbin, through the birth process, they found out just a couple days ago that his little shoulders broke. Yeah, so why don't you guys come up here and let's lay hands on him. Can you stretch your hands this way? Let's believe that God, A, is going to bless him and bless this family and also bring healing right now in this moment. Father, we bless Corbin. Father, we come together as the people of God, believing your word, that, Lord, you have already formed him in his mother's womb, and you've caused him to be born for such a time as this. So, Lord God, today, as he's dealing with this in his physical body, we come together as a church family, in faith, fully assured that what we cry out to heaven for is done on earth. So, today, Lord, we lift him up to you. He is your child, first and foremost. He is born into a family of believers and a family of faith, and he's also a part of this family here. So, Lord, today, we ask you to heal and bring this shoulder back into alignment with his proper bodily function, but also, Father, in this day, we bring him into alignment with the Word of God, and we speak healing over him in Jesus' mighty name. Could you agree with that this morning? Amen. 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 Nobody's told you they love you today. The Lord loves you, and your pastor does love you. If you need anything from me, don't hesitate to call or ask. I love you guys. Go in the name of the Lord and be blessed today. Amen. It's a good day in the house of the Lord. It's good to see you.